Good morning, everyone. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Last week I was in a checkout line and a magazine cover caught my attention. It said, how scientists are teaching morality to artificial intelligence. Ooh. And the goal is to, make, uh, to teach robots to make so-called moral decisions when faced with certain dilemmas. For instance, if a robot is operating a semi-truck, say, and a cyclist swerves out in front of the truck, the robo-driver the robo should be able to decide to stay in its lane or swerve into oncoming traffic. Or, in the instance of a robo-police officer, the robot should be able to make the decision whether or not to open fire on a dangerous subject when there are innocent bystanders. Interesting stuff. Sci-fi is starting to become reality, isn't it? But to claim that robots, which are simply responding to human programming, are themselves learning morality and making moral decisions, is like claiming that an elevator opens its doors for you when you press the button because it would feel guilty leaving you on the first floor. Robots cannot nor ever will be able to make moral decisions themselves. They can only imitate moral decisions based on programming. And the reason for that is that moral decisions of necessity involve personal relationships. Moral decisions, morality involves persons and personal relationships. Only people can consciously choose right or wrong. Did you notice that in today's gospel, Jesus brilliantly brings together relationships and morality in one single sentence? He says, if you love me, relationship, you will keep my commandments, morality. Fascinating. Now, what does Jesus mean by this? It elicits a number of questions, doesn't you? Have you thought about what does Jesus mean by this? What are... First of all, what are these commandments that Jesus is referring to? And how can we keep them? Is it possible? And why is it so important to Jesus that we keep these commandments? I think that one reason that it is very important to pay attention to Jesus' commandments can be seen in several places in the Gospels when Jesus himself differentiates between what true and artificial relationships look like between us and God. For instance, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do, do the will of my Father in heaven. And he says that when he returns to judge the living and the dead, there's going to be a lot of people that say, Lord, don't you remember all that great stuff that we did in your name? We attached your name to all those great things we did. And he's still going to say, I ever never actually knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Now, Jesus isn't just using scare tactics to drive people away or to be some kind of big meanie face. He's trying to help people see the difference between having a true and an artificial relationship with him. There is a, an intrinsic connection between loving and knowing God and keeping his commandments. 
Now, if you think about maybe some coworkers who speak kindly to your face, you invite them to, uh, let's say, your birthday party, and then you overhear them talking horribly about you at your birthday party, you ask them to leave, not because you're a particularly mean person, but because you're not interested in fellowshipping with people who say one thing and then live contradictory to it. So it is with Jesus. He won't be fooled by false friends. He won't be fooled by false friends, those who claim to know him but disregard his commandments. He won't be fooled by that. Now, it's important to note that the Christian life is not a, is not a matter of picking and choosing certain things or ideas that Jesus says that we like and holding on to those and kind of subscribing to them. It is a complete self-denial that we are called to, and that self-denial involves complete obedience to everything that the Lord teaches, even... And perhaps most importantly, when it is difficult to do so, sometimes the greatest times of growth in our life are when we do the right thing, even when it's incredibly difficult. Now, here's the thing. The commandments of Jesus are not a moral program that we follow robotically. Remember, we said morality involves real relationship between persons and between persons in God. Now, this is an idea that, that relationship is directly tied to morality in the Christian faith. This is an idea that goes way back, thousands of years before Jesus was, on, was even on the scene. This goes way back to the Old Testament. Now, when we think about the Ten Commandments, we think about a list of commands that are given, and we often miss a very important detail of the text. It comes from Exodus 20. And God actually, before he gives any thou shalts or thou shalt nots, he says to the Israelites something really profound and very interesting, almost uh, seems strangely placed. But I want to read to you what he says to them uh, before he gives commandments, because he says something about, first, their relationship to him. Here's what he says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's it. He says that. And then he goes on to give commandments. Now, why does he say that? He's reminding them. He's telling them, I'm the one who delivered you from the horrible situation you were stuck in. And before he tells them how to obey him, how to have a relationship with them, he reminds them of his loving and faithful character. He says, you are who you are because of my love for you. That's where God starts. And we see, again, even way, way back in the Old Testament, the deep connection in Scripture between our relationships and morality. Now, speaking of the Ten Commandments, is that what Jesus is talking about when he says, keep my commandments? That is a good question. Is Jesus holding up two stone tablets and reminding people in the way that Moses did that these are the laws? Or is he showing them a papyrus scroll with uh, many writings and new laws that he has scribbled down for them? That text makes us ask, what are the commands to which Jesus is referring? I wish I could tell you that it was as easy to figure out as a list on tablets or a scroll. But I don't think that is exactly what he is referring to. And maybe the place to start to answer this question is just a chapter ago. If we rewind the movie about two minutes, we are in the room with Jesus and his disciples. And he has just 
humbled himself and washed their feet and showed them the way of true servanthood. And then he says this amazing thing to them, and he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Now, lest we interpret that as just a mushy sentiment, we must remember that what it is is the commandment that binds all the other things that Jesus teaches together in harmony. It should drive everything else because Jesus does indeed speak many commandments that he expects his followers to obey. Just a few of them. Forgive your offenders. Pray for your enemies. How many of us do that? Pray for your enemies. Don't stay angry with anyone. Don't look at someone you aren't married to with lust. Don't make a display of your prayer life or your tithing. And that's just a few. The list goes on. Now, we go through a list like that. There's a danger in thinking that Jesus' commandments can just be reduced to a list. Okay, there's a danger in thinking that. They can. It's not a new written Torah that Jesus hands us. These commands, the commands that are strewn throughout all of the Gospels in Jesus' teaching, these commands, they flow from Jesus' own character. This is key. Jesus' commands flow from his own character and life. Think about this. We forgive our enemies because that's just what he did from the cross. We develop a prayer life in private with the Lord because that's what he modeled for us. We don't look with lust on others because when Jesus looked at women, even prostitutes, he saw them as people who had God-given value. And we don't show off our prayer life or our tithe because Jesus did everything without ostentation. Jesus' commandments are an example of his entire life. Jesus' commandments are an example of his entire life. And that is what we are being drawn into when we are told to keep his commandments. Now, this is important to stress. Remember, morality is relational, especially for Christians, because our moral lives are to reflect the Lord we claim to follow. So how do we do this? Can we do this? Not on our own. Not on our own. And that's why, friends, Jesus says what he says next in this passage. After he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, he says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Now, what is an advocate? Most of us probably know he's referring to the Holy Spirit here he's going to send. But an advocate is somebody who comes alongside you somebody who's with you, somebody who encourages you, somebody who empowers you. You see the relationality here? Jesus is saying, obey my commandments, but I'm going to send my spirit to be with you, to help you do that, to empower you to do that. Amazing how relational this all is. In fact, this entire passage is steeped in relational language. And if you haven't caught on to that yet, look what Jesus says just a few verses later. On that day, and he's talking about the day when he ascends and goes back to be with the Father, on that day, 
you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's amazing. Do you, uh, this language is like Trinitarian. Jesus is saying, you, my followers, are in me. I am in the Father. I am in you. We are in community together. You see? That's why you live a certain way in the world and reflect the community that you belong to in the world, the holy community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You, Christian, are a part of that community. That should rock your world. Wow. Now, an example, if you uh, join a country club or a club of any sort, you abide by the rules of the club. You pay your dues. You attend the events of the club. You uh, tell others about how great the club is. You adhere to the dress code and all that, all because you believe in the club and you are happy to be a part of it and you want others to know how great the club is. You want to reflect the values of the club in your own life. That is how it is with those of us who belong to the community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another layer to all of this, and that is that this isn't just about uh, individualistic moral effort, because we are individuals, but we are individuals that belong to a worldwide community called the church, God's covenant community. And we say that, and we, when we say every week in the Nicene Creed, I believe in one holy apostolic church, we are saying we are part of something that is bigger than us. So how do we faithfully obey the commandments of Jesus? How do we faithfully obey? Don't you wonder if there's something we could do that would help us learn how to do this? I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion. This is just something practical that you could try and see how it might work. You ready? Pick a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. At the very beginning of the New Testament. Matthew and Luke are uh, particularly helpful for this exercise. Uh, But pick one. And none of the gospels are even 30 chapters. So if you read through a gospel, it wouldn't even take you a month if you did a chapter a day. Mark's gospel is like 16 chapters. But pick a gospel, read a chapter a day, and read through it from start to finish. And make observations and notes about what you see in the life of Jesus. And ask as you're making those notes, what does this story or parable or interaction that Jesus is having with someone, what does it reveal about God's good character as revealed in Jesus? And then also ask this. This is a hard question you have to ask, and you have to do this. What does this reveal about my need to be more influenced by Jesus? What does this look like for me to be more like this? Because that is ultimately what morality is about for the Christian. It is embodying the very character and holiness and love of Jesus, which is always driven by a self-sacrificial love. Imagine how trying this, imagine how trying this, just trying this, this engagement with the living word of God might cause you to think differently about the way you treat others, about the way you're able to uh, forgive your enemies, about the way that you work. The letter of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active. And when we engage with it, it will have an effect. It will have a transformative effect on our lives. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you give us more than um, a list to follow. You give us your very Son, your very Spirit, uh, to empower us to love you and to obey you. And you have invited us into fellowship with your very self, into your own community. And your desire for us is to uh, reflect you in the world so that it would be attractive to others and that they would see something that draws them in and ultimately to you. God, we ask that you would empower us to be more engaged with your living word so that our lives might be transformed by him who is the word. It is in his name we pray. Amen.